pretty much this ledger system is going to become that underground sort of uh, pipeline architecture. And, you know, it's not necessarily always going to be transparent to the user, right? Good day, and welcome to another HIMSCast podcast. I'm Bill Sawicki, Managing Editor of Healthcare IT News, a HIMS Media publication. Today, we'll be discussing blockchain in healthcare, where it's making progress and where it's lagging. My guest is a true expert in blockchain, Maria Palombini. Maria is Director of Healthcare and Life Sciences Practice Lead, Global Business Strategy and Intelligence at the IEEE Standards Association. Welcome, Maria. Hi, Bill. I know our audience is going to greatly benefit from your deep expertise here, so let's just jump right in. My first question for you, uh, blockchain has offered a lot of promise in healthcare for use cases ranging from electronic health records to security. Um, I was wondering if you could offer kind of a deep dive of clarity for our listeners. What, what is real and what is hype? Well, there's definitely a lot of both out there. You know, it's like blockchain for healthcare. Let me count the ways. Uh, you know, it offers, since it came onto the scene in its healthcare application a few years ago, there's been so many different ways of trying to integrate it into the healthcare system. And by that, I mean anywhere from bench, so your science level, all the way um, to bedside healthcare delivery. And I think we went through this spike where people are like, let's do it on everything. And now it's starting to like sort of set in. And this is where we're getting into real. And real means is like, what can we really adopt? What can we really try to implement into the healthcare system? The reality is, is healthcare is not easy. You take any portion of the value chain and it comes with a ton of challenges. Challenges in the form of you know, you have many different partners, internal and external collaborating. Um, you have the way, unfortunately, data is captured and stored and distributed in systems. Some things are still done, unfortunately, in paper, not all digitalized. Um, so all of these present little challenges along the way. But I think at the end of the day, when we think about health, we think about blockchain and healthcare, what we're really looking at is the transactional side of healthcare system. So naturally, when we think of transactional, we're thinking financial, like fiat currency. But if you think about data, data is an asset when it's put into motion. Data sits in a silo, does nothing. It's really not an asset. It's just a thing. Here we're talking about when we put data into motion, we make it active. We make it exchange for something else. It's transactional. And that's the reality and where blockchain is ideal, right? It gives you that chronological mutable stamp that tells you that something happened, right? And, and whether it be an exchange of a metadata, uh, an exchange of just, you know, entering into a system and capturing that timestamp. And that's really what it's for. And that's ideal. So then the question comes back. What can it be used for? Again, it can be used again from the entire system. And I think it's, um, you know, the hype is when they start saying, well, I think, and this is in my opinion, of course, this is not uh, anybody else's opinion or my organization's opinion. I think the hype is when you say, oh, blockchain is going to solve the healthcare interoperability problem. I think in those terms, we're talking hype, right? Because the interoperability problem is not a blockchain problem. Uh, interoperability problem is a more complex, multi-system, multi-level challenge in the healthcare system. But I think there's a lot of good real applications. We just got to keep working at it. Yeah, it, it definitely requires more work. Um, on that note, 
where in healthcare has blockchain made progress and how is it moving <laughs> forward? So there's a lot of great um, applications. So I think when we look at the um, DSCSA, the Drug Ch Supply Chain Security Act um, of 2023, which is really where we're trying to, you know, uh, better track, right, uh, medicines going through the supply chain. The U.S. drug supply chain is a very another complex sort of uh uh, mechanism. <clears throat> and we see that blockchain, again, this is a transactional, but we're really transacting the data. This is what we're trying to capture. Um, and I think this offers a great opportunity. And I know there's quite a bit of alliances and consortia, you know, working together. You know, there's the OCI um, with the Center for Supply Chain Studies, the Open Credentials Initiatives, OCI. We have Pharma Ledger, and there's a few others. There's also um, uh, you know, there's others going on in Europe as well, trying to figure out how do we use blockchain to sort of, you know, get a nice, you know, transparency to when the drug um, leaves the manufacturer, goes through the wholesaler and gets to the dispensary or in this case, the pharmacy or the hospital that's being distributed. Um, obviously, I'm looking at the three key sort of phases of it. There's a lot of players in between, you know, your shipping, your logistics, there's, you know, a whole bunch of other players in there. Um, and this gives you the real, the, the actual Drug Supply Chain Security Act gives you actually, the way it's written is conducive to say, how can we use blockchain to help us meet the policy guidelines? It still requires a lot of um, work on it, but I think that's one of where we're starting to see a little movement and opportunity. Um, I think when we look at, you know, I think everybody's seeing them now. Um, so far, I call this a little bit off the healthcare mark. What I mean by that is we're starting to see more and more of these um uh, underlying blockchain markets for health data. So what I mean is you see a lot of organizations opening these markets where it's telling patients to go access your health data, to use it for either contributing to clinical research, getting involved in patient, you know, uh, into clinical trials. Um, we also see this with Pharma Ledger in the EU. We see this in the US. There's many different companies and um, organizations doing it. And just by the way, uh, Bill and everybody out there, if I mention an organization or an alliance or a consortium or a product, it's not that I'm advocating endorsing for it. It's just that, you know, one of the good things in being in standards, you see a lot of things coming across your desk, uh, good and sometimes not so great. And so I just think there's plenty of opportunity. Um, it's just telling me that a lot of people are thinking out there and there's a lot of different things going on um, and which is really, really good. Um, so realistically, where in healthcare is blockchain lagging? What you know? What are the obstacles to progress in these places? So I think this still requires quite a bit of things. Remember, you know, blockchain is just a tool, right? It's not the savior. So we have to change things in order to make blockchain work for us, right? It's not just like, oh, here you go, plug and play and solves the problem, right? We still have these underlying problems. So part of it is understanding data governance, right? This is a big issue. Um, you're talking about multiple partners, regardless of what its application. So if we're talking clinical trials, let's say, right, in that application, you know, you have your sponsors of the research, you have your investigators, you have your site managers, um, you obviously have regulatory, you have the patient, there's multiple players in here, right, all having to collaborate in such a way with this quote unquote blockchain. Um, 
So there's a lot of data governance issues that is new to the ballgame, right? This was never there before because the concept of data ownership was like, oh, I'm going into quote unquote clinical trial, the sponsor and the investigator, the ones owning the trial. Sometimes the patient sees it, sometimes they don't. There's like all these kinds of questions, right? Um, and there was always questions about the integrity of the data and all these kinds of things. The workflow process, right? Sometimes things were, oh, sign this PDF or you would have a paper informed consent. Now we went to e-informed consent, but even that's still not clean and, you know, sort of strained out yet. And all of blockchain needs these things to sort of be sorted so that it can do its thing. Again, remember, this is a ledger system, right? Basically, if your numbers, if you're in accounting and your numbers are off, the ledgers are only going to account for wrong numbers. And we could have the same problem here, right? We have a ledger system. If the data can't integrate into the system, if it's not captured correctly, if regulation and protocols and workflows are not written correctly, the ledger is just going to timestamp erroneous information and things. So there's like this underlying sort of layer that has to be uh, updated because it's not necessarily wrong. It just needs to be updated to address this change in technology that it can do this thing. Um, and I think that takes a lot of time. You know, when we talk about data governance, it's a really sensitive issue, especially when we're talking about patient data, right? Patient information. Um, we're talking about people's health records. And that's not something, you know, that you just say, oh, let's just pass it around and let's see how it goes. You know, there's a lot of questions about access management, consent to sharing, right to share visibility, transparency, like all these things were not sort of there before. Um, and now we're dealing with all of that and it's still not sorted. Even from a policy level, it needs a little bit more refinement. So I think all of these things have to start, you know, um, we're making a little progress, um, but I think it's going to have to have a little bit more push from the users and users can be, you know, anywhere from your pharma companies to your patients, to your clinicians, to regulators, to, you know, everybody, all these stakeholders who have a vested interest in seeing this thing working. Okay. So what is your honest appraisal of where blockchain will be in healthcare 10 years from now? Well, I think it will still be here. So let's start with the basic line. I don't think it's going to go away. Um, so I, I believe that it will become sort of this underlying architecture, right, to a lot of things. So, you know, we're seeing, you know, Web 3.0, Metaverse, um, you know, there's all this discussion about credentialing, right? You know, we want to credential the physician in a telehealth experience. This is one of the things that we work on right now in our telehealth incubator program. We want to credential, you know, the pharmacists in the, you know, in the, in the supply chain, right, for the drug supply chain. So pretty much this ledger system is going to become that underground sort of uh, pipeline architecture. And, you know, it's not necessarily always going to be transparent to the user, right? Like, honestly, do does the average, not that we want to hide anything, but if, does the average patient need to know that we're using a Hedera or a, you know, Ethereum platform bl uh, blockchain architecture underneath um, um, some sort of healthcare hospital system? Not really. I mean, if they want to know, it should be available to them. But at the end of the day, what they need to know is that their information is secure. They have the right to access it. They're able to, you know, transact with it. Like it, it, the blockchain is doing what it's supposed to be doing from that point of view. And that's the most important thing. Um, 
you know, we're going to see a whole growth. Um, we're already hearing about it, token economics. I think that um, blockchain is really going to be a major, you know, it is a major underpinning of that. Um, and we're seeing that really starting to to build up. And in 10 years, I think it's going to be something that we're going to be talking about a lot more because at that point, we're going to have more value in the system, depending on how, what the value of the token is pinned to. So if it's pinned to patient data, um, that's one thing. If we're talking about it's pinned to the storage of records or certain place or whatever the the value that it's pinning itself to right in 10 years it's going to accrue that value right and that's where we're going to start talking about this more and this really can really be done with the blockchain as the underneath the architecture underneath it so i think that we're going to see like anything like the internet right it started off you know dial in here like through your phone line and you went to your aol or whatever your email platform was at the time and that's what you used it for Let's fast forward the internet today, you know, look what it's done. Look what it's opened the doors to, right? Now, mind you, we talk 30, 35 years, whatever, you know, time it's been, but each decade, each 10 years, so much innovation has come with that internet. And so I think blockchain is going to really be the enabler of a whole new um, things that we can really think about um, as far like as token economics, as patient um, agency over their data, the way hospital systems even assign value, um, value-based care in their health systems. I mean, it could really open the doors to a lot of different things. That would be great. <laughs> if it all comes <laughs> true. Responsibly really and ethically, I would like to throw that in there as well. <laughs> yes. Um, so one more question for you today, Maria. Um, what can healthcare CIOs and, and other health IT leaders interested in blockchain do to pursue this interest? Mm -hmm. I think, um, well, first of all, I think they should definitely be open to it. Um, it should not don't automatically be like, this is a hype phase. I'm going to close my door on it. It's like anything else. I think, you know, every new innovation that comes through the door is worth at least reading up on, exploring it, join alliances or, you know, um, standards working groups or pre-standards or incubator programs, get your feet wet with it, learn, you know, because these are a lot of opportunities um, where people are testing things and failure is happening, which is not a bad thing because this is where we learn, right? When things fail, this is how we learn and make sure they don't happen again. And we build off from those mistakes and try to fix it and make it better. Um, but I think that's an important um, aspect uh, for um, a lot of these CIOs, you know, and then also be open to test piloting small areas of your operations. There a tremendous opportunity for healthcare systems, especially in the world of token economics, to get involved in the blockchain. Um, you know, and it, and like I said, this is not easy. Implementing a blockchain into your system, especially now most of them are private blockchains. I don't care if it's private, if it's public, is not a simple. Um, you know, cheap task. It takes a lot of resources, both manpower, financial. So test piling little areas that you think that can, you can, you know, manage and control the pilot and see the outcomes without, you know, obviously blowing the, the cap off your budget, I think is definitely worth it. Um, it's not going away. Um, do you really absolutely have to have one? No. Um, but when we talk about innovation and how you want your health system, you know, to operate and grow and change and that kind of thing, I think it's definitely worth, you know, reading and staying up on it and participating in pilots and joining alliances and getting involved in, you know, the many different things that are going on today. 
Well, that's today's Hymnscast. Uh, I'd like to thank our special guest, Maria Palombini of the IEEE Standards Association. Thank you, Maria. Thank you. This has been fun. And to all of our Hymnscast listeners, stay tuned. Another podcast will be coming soon. Thank you.